Hello and welcome along to the Unplugged Pod, where we discuss everything to do with the world of switching off in a world that's always on. I'm David, a journalist, and as ever, I'm joined by Mr. Unplugged, Hector Hughes. And today we have Grace Andrews. Grace is the marketing director for Team Steve Bartlett. So big into the world of podcasting, content online, uh, really looking forward to getting into where she sees that space and how that relates to unplugging. Looking forward to it. Grace, thank you very much for uh, for coming along to the podcast today. I know it's not quite diary of a CEO backdrop, but nonetheless, it's a bit uh, sort of makeshift my flat into a, to a studio. So thank you for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me. Uh, so Grace, what, what do you do to, to unplug? For me, unplugged, like getting unplugged is anything outside. So right now I'm obsessed with running. Um, I broke my foot last year. So I found like a whole new sense of gratitude for the ability to like run and exercise when you don't have it and you can't do it. All you want to do is that. So for me, the time when I really switch off, like not only from the digital world, but from all the noise and everything that goes on in my world is when I'm running. It's when my thoughts are clear. It's when my best ideas come. It's when I get really excited about things. Are you listening to anything or just kind of running your thoughts? Music? Everything and anything. Sometimes nothing, sometimes podcasts, sometimes like this morning, I really didn't want to go out and it was like, I needed my energy playlist. <laughs> I think running's a weird one though, because like if you're, if you're listening to podcasts and music, you're still tuned sure, in. It depends what your definition of unplugging is, I mm. suppose. Like I know for Hector, it might be like the Himalayas, just like the, the wind and the mountains. I'm not there yet. I'm no, not there yet. No, for sure. <laughs> Uh, but you can, I think you can tune out to that as well. And there's something just about the kind of motion of running that does take you out of yourself a bit. And so sometimes, I agree, I think sometimes it's better, like, great to go and run and not listen to anything. But actually, if that's going to be what gets you out the door, exactly. if you really want to listen to this podcast or music or whatever it is, then it's got to be worth doing. It's when my, it's when my I think my definition of unplugged is, like, uncontactable. For me right now in this stage of my life, like, the noise comes from people being able to get hold of me. So if no one can get hold of me and it's just me, my thoughts and maybe stimulated by a podcast, but a lot of the time I'll tune out as well. It's just kind of like background noise. And that's where my thoughts like run. I mean, how contactable are you? Because we were going to talk about your job <laughs> in social media. Like what is it? What does it actually look like? Always on. Always on. You know what's terrifying is we were looking at our screen time, <laughs> which is so relevant to this podcast. We were looking at our screen time this week because... Uh, we were creating some content around it and mine was the worst in the entire company <laughs> second to steve steve is online from the moment you know he wakes up to the minute he goes to sleep but he, then he does prioritize his sleep but yeah not good <laughs> i like the way you didn't give any official statistics there either you just said not good so it just lets my brain run away with like 14 16 18 hours whatever like, you're imagining okay, there yeah, we'll, we'll go there um, all right might be might be worth just you giving a bit of context to, to how you sort of found yourself in the industry you're in and, and, and social media and, and everything to do with that? Of course. So I started out in journalism when the pandemic was all rolling out and coming about. So this is kind of skipping forward to, to that stage. Before that, I did the uni, I did uh, loads of internships, I did traveling, and then I was like, right, journalism. And then the pandemic rolls around, 
no one's working in journalism who doesn't already work in it because it's so hard to get work experience. It's so hard to get your foot in the door when everything shuts down. No one knows what's going on. We're in this like state of fear. So I kind of turned to social media journalism because that was something I could freelance and take control of and I could work from home and do it myself and kind of uh, give content to these different industries and different uh, news platforms. And quite quickly, the news became very depressing. So it kind of switched from slightly exciting and, oh, what's going on? Oh, masks have gone out of stock, crazy stories to death counts and death tolls. And I was like, this is not something I can be in every day. So I actually ended up transitioning out of the journalism side of things into just focusing on social media and really bringing up all the small businesses whose physical shop fronts are closed. That was what I was really interested in. I was like, I literally reached out to my local Facebook groups and Facebook communities. And I was like, who is struggling to reach their consumer and customer right now? I'll help you. And I did a lot of pro bono work to get started to kind of build up my experience. Um, and then, yeah, I was freelancing, pandemic kind of came to an end thank goodness and was working with some really cool brands and really cool businesses and I really loved being able to elevate their businesses online especially for people who didn't have that skill set so it felt like a way where I could provide connection between customers that they couldn't reach with like their physical stores or their ancient website and so I set up and gave them this platform through social media and it was all going really really well loving it I was loving freelancing and wasn't looking for a full-time role at that point after years and years of trying to find any work post-uni. I was now in like a very comfortable position. And then this job post rolls around from Stephen Bartlett. And at the time, Stephen Bartlett had just left his incredible social media agency that he'd built in Manchester. They work with the biggest brands in the world. He, in the social media marketing world, is like up there, number one, especially in the UK. Um, and as someone who was aspiring to kind of grow in the industry he posts this job post for a social media manager and I go that's probably not an opportunity I should miss so I kind of was in this you know you know it's always the way when you're not really looking and then the thing comes around and within two weeks of kind of speaking to Dom who's Steve's manager I was in the door and I was working for Stephen Bartlett who wasn't a dragon on dragon's den at the time hadn't written the book the podcast had 8,000 subscribers on YouTube for perspective, we've now got 4 million. So it was much smaller, much kind of closer-knit team, and we were just starting out. So it was me, the podcast producer, and Steve's manager. And that's where it all began. When was, how long ago was that? Nearly three years ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I, because I, we're talking to a, uh, what I guess we could call an old school journalist nowadays in, in David. And there is this sense that, uh, you know, with social media, how we, consume get news all of these kind of things is, is changing rapidly and, and you are now working and helping run you know one of the, the very big podcasts in the world like what's your perspective on that and on I mean you, you must see some crazy numbers for downloads and just how people are interacting with this like where, where do you see it all going in terms of like how we engage with social media not not so much that but just how we get our how we consume our content I guess I mean, we've seen since I've been there, we've seen one, the rise of the podcast and it's long form, you know, piece of piece of media as an alternative to TV and movies. And people are choosing to tune into long form podcasts in the same way they would with a documentary because we've started to film them. You know, we were very late in the UK to filming podcasts. So we were early as a diver CEO, but really compared to the rest of the world and the US specifically, we were quite late. 
and the podcast has transformed into a show. I think, you know, we film them, there's production setups, they go across YouTube, they go across video formats, they go across social media. So that's one piece. I think the podcast has merged this world between sort of digital and traditional. And we're now seeing podcasts being shown on, you know, our podcasters on BBC iPlayer, for example, you've got podcasts that are going into Netflix and going into all these kind of mainstream places. So there's like this hybrid world that's emerging which is quite interesting but there's clearly a desire for this long form piece of content because the podcast I mean helped by the pandemic funnily enough like the podcast numbers continued to grow year on year and then you've got this other side of things where we've seen the emergence of short form video content to almost counteract that so three years ago TikTok was still kind of that kids app that no one in you know no one in millennial age group was downloading because it's only for gen z and uh, instagram didn't have reels youtube shorts didn't exist so we've seen the emergence of the short form instant gratification very addictive form of media as well which always kind of exists but has been like super prevalent in the last few years so i think we've seen a lean into both sides of things and both have emerged at the same time and actually both work hand in hand because one can promote and engage with the other and provides a community for the other um so it's interesting that's that's kind of what we've seen happen over the last three years yeah I think the the long form short form debate is really interesting because definitely podcast the, the long form aspect of podcast was in many ways a bit of a, a kickback to how how little experts on television were given right so you've got like two minutes to explain um you know what's happening in israel or explain like the concept of, of breathing and health and stuff like that and so to give experts in their field just the opportunity to sit down not interrupt them talk for you know five seven nine minute monologues and have this like longer discourse was obviously really key to podcast being super successful in the us and, and now in the uk but it is still the short form that hooks people in, right? I mean, you look at like the trailers or the first 30 seconds of the Diary of the CEO podcast. I mean, it's really, really explosive and like really hits you to, to get you in initially. So it is interesting that long form clearly is like how podcast started, but that short form hook is still, is still like the absolute key to it. I think when it comes to podcasting, you need, as you said, you need that hook and you need that grabby piece to send people to the long form. And it's taken us a while to get sort of the same numbers we're getting on social that we're getting across our long form because you really have to spend a long time pulling people in. But unless you're on YouTube, you know, if you're only on the the podcast audio platforms, Spotify, Apple, all of the other ones, there's no really, they're getting better, but there's no real new audience opportunity. You search, your friends tell you, you send a link. There's no searchability. There's no feed. There wasn't, there is now. There's no feed. There's no way to, the the discoverability is really limited. So you need that organic and you need that paid social piece in order to draw those new eyes in and grow. Like that is your growth mechanism that complements the long form really. Also like the numbers, I think sometimes we can get a bit desensitized by numbers, but some of them are crazy. Like you said, 4 million YouTube subscribers, right? And I know this isn't an exact science because I'm sure CEO's audience is, is really global but like I mean how many people in the UK like 65 million so that's like one in quick maths like one in 16 people in in the UK subscribe to that podcast and that's only people that are subscribed right way more have seen clips or full length or been like nudged about it by someone else like it's a crazy number I think we try not to dwell on the numbers too much we love data so we're obsessed with what's going on in the back end how long are people watching for when are they dropping off how can we optimize that but if you get too obsessed with the numbers you're focused on like 
hitting the next milestone, hitting the next milestone, you forget that they're actually people. What we always try and do is, you know, if we hit, we're just about to hit 4 million subscribers, we always try and visualize it. So either we'll send football stadiums or countries or, um, you know, anything to try and bring real meaning to it. But on top of that, we also care a lot more about the comments, the engagement, the messages, the emails, the people coming up to Steve at Talks crying and telling us how it's changed their life. Like, that's our why and that's why we do it. And when you think about how many people it's reaching, it's, it in one part blows my mind because I don't understand how this thing we're building is touching that many people. But at the same time, it kind of doesn't surprise me because the team, the effort, the energy that goes into it, it deserves to be reached by that many people. And when you're talking about finding when people are dropping off, et cetera, like how created are the conversations? I guess part of it is going with the flow of the conversation versus hitting, as you say, the, the right kind of milestones to keep people engaged. How do you think about that? It's a fine art, right? So, yeah. um, I mean, like, to be totally honest, we'll film with an expert maybe, say, for two hours and you'll see one hour 45 of it, sure. one hour 50 most of it stays in is you know something if it's been repeated or we've talked about that topic 10 times in the last 10 episodes we're like that's not going to be super interesting to our audience but what it does is it rather than kind of cutting out conversations and curating conversations it informs us about future guests and future conversations so we'll go oh there was a really interesting spike on that specific conversation about caffeine and we'll go we should bring a caffeine expert in because clearly our audience really like that so it's more about informing like the wider process as opposed to like really looking really focused and going oh we should have cut that section out it's kind of a it's a more informative wider process yeah and is that on the i, I guess you're optimizing for those long-form listeners is that that's the ultimate goal right rather than optimizing for which one's gonna go the most viral on, on youtube or a bit of both our mission and our why is to create conversations that change people's lives and to impact to leave people feeling more fulfilled or more whole or with a better idea of something than when they started so whether that's more informed whether that's educated on a certain topic whether that's you know the ability to have a conversation the desire to leave a job the desire to kind of take control of their life like whatever it is we want them to leave having gained something and that's our mission with all of these things I think the virality is almost a byproduct of the experimentation that's going on behind the scenes because we do treat it as like a science is there ever a conflict there because I I, I do think I've listened to the podcast and I do think it is life-changing um, and must have affected you know millions of people literally uh, but do you, is there ever a conflict between the things that are going to be the most beneficial and the things that are going to generate the most views or, or do you find that naturally it's the most life-changing things that that people tend to go for it's again it's a balance and we're learning all the time we learn and we test every single title we test every single thumbnail so I know a lot of the time we've seen people there'll be certain people who go oh well that was just clickbait as you do with any big creator because that is kind of the point have we got you to watch are you watching do the tests show that more people clicked on this than anything else yes but we don't want to be clickbait we want to then follow up with that in the long-form conversation there's no point and we've seen it's hugely damaging to average watch time if you offer a clickbait title as we all know and then people are watching two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, nothing to do with the title. Average duration drops off a cliff. YouTube stops recommending your podcast. That's our worst nightmare. So it's all about finding that that perfect balance of has it drawn people in? And we have formulas for these things as well. We have formulas for everything from like title, thumbnail, everything, every part of it that we know works. So when it comes to like, we know it needs to be super unique 
we we know we know we know it needs to be super specific but appeal to a wide enough audience so there's like an art to that because it sounds contradictory but really if you look at our titles that's what we're doing and every single title has three checkboxes that it must tick off before it even goes into the testing so it's not like we've gone oh I know that one lazy gen z chuck it in there that's going to be provocative absolutely not like everything we do is founded in science and data and we've got a full-time data analyst data scientist who is focused on this every single day and finding out did we gain 0.5 percent through that title or did we gain 0.2 percent through that thumbnail so everything is curated and I think really we put it into testing and we we see what the results are and it's not us deciding like that's going to be the hook that's the clickbait it's us putting 100 in and letting our audience choose through through meta testing where does this kind of personally where do you come out for social media more generally because i think it it highlights something really interesting about you know as you could say just how you can it's possible to grab people's attention by what the thumbnail looks like or whatever it is and i think the content that that, that you guys put out really is uh, improving and, and makes a huge difference but obviously most of social media isn't like that and there's a lot that gets served up that uh, I, I think doesn't have a positive effect on people and everything's rewriting our brain from you know, not to be too tin hat unplugged uh, man but the you know not only what we see online but also the conversations we have the books we read like every content all of the content we consume you know we are almost the sum of the, the content we consume so how do you um, see social media more widely like wh- where do you see that going and, and I guess what's your hope for it it's very philosophical <laughs> You're apparently like the sum of the five podcasters you listen to most. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Where do I see social media going? I think um, I think personalization is a huge thing. So I think from both the consumer and the brands and the people uh, putting the content out there, I think people expect due to like machine learning and AI to have a much per- more personalized experience when they go on their social media apps now. So whether that's the content they're being served, the brands they follow the emails they receive they want to also be a very personalized experience and I think on the flip side as a as a person and consumer that means also curating the stuff I see much more and with like a fine-tuned comb um so whether that's kind of people are much more actively muting and blocking and curating the feed to make sure that they're seeing what they want to see and I think we're we're really leaning into that both from like brands so focused on hyper personalization it's like the buzzword for 2024 and also taking control of what you're seeing and making sure that social media is a positive experience for you because really we do have to hold ourselves accountable a little bit and take personal personal responsibility for what we are seeing online if you don't like what you're seeing over and over you can control that yes the algorithms dictate to a degree but you can also tell them what you want to see and tell them what you don't want to see and all of the platforms have introduced tools and features this year that allow you to do that better than we've ever done before so i think there's that side of it and then I also think that brands like hold responsibility as well and businesses and content creators and these are conversations that we're having all the time I know there's more and more conversations about transparency in terms of advertising and influencer marketing and the blurred lines in personal branding and entrepreneurship and managing companies and investing in companies and all of this that's being played out in real time online and no one really has the answers and it's a kind of a huge gray space. But I think that for me is something I'm thinking about a lot at the moment. I know a lot of people online are as well because of this emergence of the personal brand, which 
really like that phrasing didn't exist in the same way three, four years ago. So we're like seeing this all play out in real time. And I find that dynamic very fascinating. And you don't have to give any specifics, but I guess how, how many issues does that throw up? Because, you know, I mean, obviously running unplugged uh, in, in chart, uncharted territory, shit goes up. And like if Airbnb go into a new city, stuff goes wrong. And like, I, I really think you are pioneering in the podcast space. I mean, you don't need me to tell you that. Uh, <laughs> d- does that throw up a lot of problems, challenges, you know, where, where things go wrong? I think we're so clear of why we're doing what we're doing that it doesn't really matter too much about all the new features and the new ideas and the new trends and the new concepts that come up because we'll adapt those as they come up and we're always kind of looking for the next thing and our culture for experimentation means we're, we're always trying new things and we're looking to do things differently. But when you're really, really clear on your why and your why you're driving back to your mission it doesn't really matter if things come up or go away because you're just so focused on that angle and your moonshot and why you're doing it that as long as you don't derail from that, I think, I think you'll be okay. It certainly comes across when you talk as well. Like the, your why is like absolutely there, not just yours, but like the wider team as well. So that's testament to, to the team that's been created there. Yeah. There's like a US um, podcast. I can't remember who it was that spent like three months only following things to do with puppies across all social media platforms. Right. And then at the end of three months, everything that was served up on like the search function and you're suggested and watch this, watch that was just like puppies playing around. And he was doing it to test like, oh, it's like to kind of challenge what you said that like you can curate your own uh, like reality, if you like, on across like socials. And he said he was actually surprised that like big tech wasn't trying to trick him or anything. Like if he only followed puppies running around at the end of three months, every single platform he had, that's what was served up to him. Uh, so yeah, there, there obviously is like an element of personal responsibility. It's really difficult not to click on the stuff that you, you know, uh, you know, it's like junk food. I think we are starting to have healthier conversations around our relationships with social media. I mean, the fact that, you know, Unplugged has become so popular is no surprise to me or any form of retreat or meditation or breathwork or wellness as an industry. My goodness. It's no surprise because there's this need, there's this need for, us to take a step back to like our ancestors and you know what we used to do in our roots on top of the desire for real life connection because we've obviously gone so online and so away from in real life connection that there's this like innate human desire for it so I think we're starting to understand that need like I think maybe five ten years ago when these platforms were just like absolutely blowing up and everyone's so excited by them and it was the best thing and you know since sliced bread and then we've gone ah did we take a step too far that way maybe let's like make sure we're bringing other elements into our life as well and I think that's becoming a more mainstream conversation but obviously we've got this whole next generation you know growing up who will have to learn that as well and it's not something that you're just like taught in school maybe it will be maybe it will be I don't know yeah we can't be far from that yeah well it must be I know the volume of 10 to 13 year olds on snapchat for example as their main source of communication above in real life conversations like that's got to start becoming part of teaching and curriculum i think yeah they've started banning phones in classrooms which i guess you know starts the conversation but it's uh it's gonna be interesting yeah i think i guess you kind of stuff needs to break before you go and fix it but it's definitely i think covid was almost a canary in the or almost a smokescreen in the sense that there was a lot of issues. I have a kind of younger sister, and her generation grew up with social media uh, all through their teenage years, 
and just absolutely rife with mental health issues, etc. Because you know it really does you develop differently, and I think it does create uh, a more you know kind of nervous demeanor, anxious, all of these kind of things. The comparison, exactly. The yeah, comparison yeah, is it. killer. That's it. Yeah, yeah. The expectation and the comparison, especially. I mean, as a young female, also you know, growing up in that world, like the the images you're served, it's almost because it's so at your fingertips and instantaneous. It's almost as bad as like the magazine generation and the you know of the 2000s who only saw beautiful women edited on the front cover of magazines and that toxic culture that it created is like well when I was growing up all we saw was like the most incredible people on Instagram were the ones who got the most likes incredible in inverted commas the ones who we saw as this ideal idealized like sense of feminine or whatever like they were the ones who got more likes so you're like well if I need to get more likes I need to look like that and it's like this vicious vicious circle and vicious cycle but I think I don't know if it's the world I'm in and who I'm deciding to surround myself with and what I view online and how I create my feeds but there are more and more people having much more kind of real life conversations now on social media and representing real life people on these platforms and it just feels a bit more real and honest of course there are still corners of the internet that don't look like that so that's why I bring in that personal responsibility piece and I mean, one of the perks of the job must be that you, you must have learned a lot from just, just kind of being there with all these conversations. And I guess on that uh, comparison piece, what's interesting is it sometimes never goes away. So I mean, you know, you have some of the biggest people in the world coming on the podcast and talking about how, you know, they still feel like they're not enough. And whatever stage you get to, there's always someone higher, right? There's always, we could get to this next stage, next stage. And I guess it's facing up whatever demons are driving that, that, that kind of really cures it. So how much... Oh, how would you say your worldview has changed from working on the podcast, you know, seeing all the, the guests you have? I think the most interesting thing about the variety of guests we've had on the podcast, from athletes to uh, movie stars to authors to experts in their niche, is that nine out of ten times they all have very very similar stories. They have a, like a shared sense of struggle and they all want to kind of I don't know, give back to the world in like a good way. And actually they're not driven by money anymore. They were driven by money at one point. And you start to see like, despite all these people coming from all different backgrounds and all different paths and walks of life and different industries, that there's lots of similarities between us all. And we're all actually kind of, you know, sounds profound, but like there's one human race and we're all kind of figuring it all out together. And you've got the CEOs of billion, multi-billionaire, multi-billion pound companies multi-billion dollar companies who are still figuring out and make mistakes and fail and are learning and don't get it right all the time and they're the ones who are actually doing the best because they're willing to kind of own up to it and the ego is able to strip away and then you've got kind of the movie stars who look amazing on screen and seem to have the perfect life and put all together but actually you know they're really struggling with mental health behind the scenes I mean look at Lewis Capaldi he's talking about his Tourette's has been caused by the stress and anxiety that's been induced by the music industry. And he's opening up for the first time on our podcast about it. Like it's where I think you see because of the long form and because they're allowed to speak and because we're not driven by a set of 10 questions or an agenda where we have to get something out of this person, they're allowed to just like relax. And you often see their shoulders just like drop and they just relax and they'll often finish, you know, often they'll cry and it's very emotional because it's very, vulnerable place to be and I'll say that felt like therapy because they were just allowed to speak which is like a real rarity in interviews or media or anything like that and I think what we've found from that is 
we have a lot more in common than you think. Even like the billionaire, Lewis Capaldi, whoever it is, you can always kind of find that point of commonality or that like point of interest, which I think was quite surprising to me. But in hindsight, it isn't because of course we're all humans. Everyone's making up as they go along. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. It's all just messy behind the scenes. Yeah. And that's almost the perfect antidote to the kind of perfect Instagram picture where it looks <laughs> like they've all got it figured out. And then, you know, an hour later you listen to them on the podcast talking about how how tough the last year's been. And, and that's know, why I love it. I love the long form. You just can't get that context on the short form. And then you, and it's really interesting that like TikTok are bringing out um, 15 minute duration. Very like that's what they're just about to introduce from 10 minute because they've seen such high engagement on 10 minute clips. They're pushing to 15, 30, 40. Suddenly TikTok's going to be the new YouTube. Suddenly people are vlogging for 40 minutes on TikTok. Like that's the way it's going for sure. And just excuse my ignorance, but if you're talking about using TikTok where you're kind of scrolling through, is it just people stop for 10 minutes and watch a video? Exactly. So our most popular clips in the last six months have all been at the seven plus minute mark. Millions and millions of views. So there is a demand for it. There's a need for it in that younger generation too. People want context. Yeah, it's amazing how people are using TikTok for like everything, like TikTok search engine optimization. If you want to put up a nail on the wall then you go to tiktok and type it in which is mental if i'm like going to a city i will like tiktok it like i'll find the best places (laughs) to eat i'll find the best hotel to stay in i'll find the best things to do because the best reviews are on tiktok yeah and then there's just an element of like you know if you're trying to look at i know restaurants on google you kind of click into these crappy links it's pretty rubbish but if you actually see someone filming in there what they're having it doesn't make sense to be honest yeah it's so present tense as well yeah like a google review you scroll back to four years ago and make a judgment where it's like, yeah, yeah. it's like, this is why I ate last night yeah. the seasonal menu. Yeah. And is that, like, is it easy to not get sucked into, because, you know, obviously the, the, the scroll is addictive. Like, is it, is it easy when you go on there or do you? Uh, my relationship with social media. Um, I think because I'm in it every day, I see it as work. So when I switch off, like most people like close their laptop and switch off from their emails, for me, it's like closing all my apps down for the day. So I've, I struggled to differentiate between like social media for fun and social media for work because for me, it's all work. Like if I'm on there, it's like a different part of my brain switch when I'm looking for trends. I'm looking for, I'm looking not for entertainment or for like relaxation that some people do. I'm looking for how we can stay ahead. What can I share with the group today? What can I find that's going to put us ahead? What are they doing? What can we learn from that? And even, you know, because I also have my own personal brand. So I'm looking at from that perspective as well. So I love it. But in the same way, we have to switch off from work sometimes and focus over here and focus over there. Like for me, that means closing all of that down. What's the goal with your personal brand? Pardon? What's the goal with your personal brand? My goal with my personal brand is to become an industry leader in social media marketing space and the creative marketing space and podcast marketing. So I think that's a really important question as well because I think so many people are building personal brands for the sake of building personal brands. I couldn't tell you what half the people on my LinkedIn feed do. I think they're all coaches of some degree. Full-time, posting on LinkedIn. First, full-time personal brand marketing people who have gone viral on LinkedIn. Like, I don't really, I don't get any of that. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, there's a lot of people who, like, start posting to get more business or whatever it is, and then they end up, like, quitting their startup or whatever it is to, like... And I just wonder where it's going. Like, that does kind of concern me slightly, and it concerns me when people are buying into it 
these people who have no marketing experience in the real world like it's is I get really confused by all of that to be honest and I try to kind of stay one step away from it and not get into the way of this like LinkedIn influencer writing and with this crappy ideas that actually you finished the post and you didn't learn anything like that's my worst nightmare like I want people to finish reading my content and go I want to share that with someone or I need to follow this person like that was really informative and that was really valuable in a specific industry so for me my the way I measure that isn't by likes or follows or viral posts it's by dms behind the scenes like has someone messaged me to go that post really resonated with me can I ask you a question about this or we're doing an event next week I'd love you to speak at it or we're starting a podcast I'd love you to come and talk about your marketing experience or can you do a consultant consultant can you do a consultation with our team because we're really inspired by the way you look at this project and how you launch the book like for me that's what a personal brand is it's being known online for what you're known for offline and I think there's kind of got this confusion because of the way LinkedIn's changed specifically as a platform between that and just posting and I think, as again, it comes back to your why, like, why are you doing it? Can you tell me in an elevator pitch or a mission statement what your goal is here? For me, it's to become well-known in this specific industry and have the ability to talk about it as much as possible because I'm obsessed with it, um, as opposed to just posting, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you, you are, as Dave said earlier, incredibly clear on the why, both for the podcast and, and yourself. How have you, how's that happened? Is oh, that it didn't on, happen overnight. Yeah, the podcast did. We yeah. always knew we wanted to be the world's biggest podcast that reached the most people and build it into so much more than a podcast. So it's we call it a show because it has a 10 camera production set up. It has yeah. a team of 30 behind it. It's on airlines. It's in prisons. It's going into gym equipment. It's on iPlayer. It's in all these different places. So it's much more than a podcast to us. It is a, it is a show. And, you know, there's products that live that live alongside it i know you've got the conversation cards that are unplugged and um for us it's a media brand it's a media company so that's that's what that is and we're very clear that where that's going and that's always been the case it's kind of evolved and it was adapted and things have changed and we've you know maybe the past going like this a little bit just like we're figuring things out as we go but we always knew that we wanted to impact as many people as we possibly could um my personal brand really evolved like I used it at the start to gain new clients and as a you know an a bit uh, opportunity to build like a digital reputation because especially in the pandemic when we're I'm sitting in my childhood bedroom with my laptop screen like how on earth can I reach people okay let me like elevate myself into an online world where I can reach millions of people at my fingertips if that's what I desired I also use it as my my playground because it's my opportunity to be messy and figure things out and do all my learnings. So my Instagram and my LinkedIn, I try new things. I test new concepts and I figure out because I'd much rather do it there than to an audience of tens of millions on Steven's channel. So it's my opportunity to be messy and figure out and keep learning so that I can stay ahead. Because how can I be someone who suggests, you know, that I want to be at the top of this industry if I'm not demonstrating how to do it along the way or learning how to do it? Because the industry is evolving so quickly and so rapidly that I need that place to be messy. So that's kind of why I see it as as well. Yeah, it's interesting when you talk about the scale, like like a ten camera shoot, thirty people part of the production process to um, you know to to create such a massive podcast. Well, what would you say to someone then that that is literally starting from zero? 
clearly not everyone's going to have the roots of Stephen Bartlett and Dario Vecinia has. But like, if you're starting from absolute zero, would you would you go back to the why? Do you know, someone's 50 and they want to start a podcast. They think, oh, well, how can I possibly compete with like someone like you who's like grown up with these trends and like completely obsessed with it but still wants to create a, a, a podcast? Like, what, what or, would you advise? Or two blokes or six episodes in. <laughs> yeah, is this <laughs> consultancy? <laughs> I'll send you an invoice afterwards. Uh, there's not 30 people on <laughs> one editor, one editor. But I mean, quickly on that, you know, it, it sounds a lot, 30 people, but then if you think about you know, how many people work at the Times or the Evening Standard. Yeah. And, I mean, the impact. Or like, how many people Parkinson, like, nightly show. Yeah, exactly, so exactly. Happens. And then how many people are consuming... Documentaries sure, or... Sure. So, if anything, it's a, it's a very yeah. small team given yeah. the reach. Yeah, we're hiring like crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, it's... Wait, what, what, what did you ask me? Uh, what tips would you go for? Before, what tips? Out of interest, what, what positions are you... What, like, what kind of roles do you need to add? Or are you adding? Do you know people? I've personally <laughs> for spoken job. for, but... Um, so, if you, so, let's do one. So, if you are thinking about starting a podcast, you don't know where to start, you don't know if there's a place for you, it feels saturated, like, all of these things. Again, go back to, like, your why. Like, why do you want to do it? Because if you don't do it for why you want to do it, you won't find enjoyment in it and you won't be consistent. And they're the most important things. Like you've got to enjoy doing it. Otherwise you'll do three episodes. I think the like 90% of podcasts produced don't get past episode three or like some crazy start like that. Um, so I mean, I imagine for most people, they thought it was a good idea. It was actually quite a lot of effort and they gave up on that one. So I think knowing your why, knowing why you want to do it and knowing who you want to talk to. And I think, that's really key at the start. Like you're not going to speak to everyone. That's not how it works. That's not how social media works. You can't throw out content and just hope it gets picked up by some certain audiences. I think you have to have a good idea of who you want to speak to. Like if you're on the street, the type of person you'd want to speak to, whether that's an age range, a demographic, a, uh, an industry professional, or like what career they're in, what stage of life they're in, motherhood, whatever it is. Um, I think it's helpful to have that in mind because there are millions of podcasts out there and you will be competing for audience because there's more podcasts than we can ever consume in our lifetime so I think having a good awareness of where you want to fit in and then you can kind of mold that as you as you get started the most important thing is just consistency like anyone I ever speak to it's like oh you know we did a season last year I think we'll start it up again this year what what's the point it's like posting an instagram post not coming back for you and expecting your audience to still be waiting as i said there's so many podcasts out there you need to be so consistent with what you're doing if you're if you're serious about it and if you do want to grow and if you do want to nurture that community because it depends why you're doing it some people want to produce a podcast and it'd be their main thing we do diversity main thing we do or maybe it's a growth mechanism for your brand or a lead gen magnet or like whatever it is you need to know why you're doing it and what you're doing it for as part of your overall business strategy i know some people who their business strategy is just to go on people's podcasts to leverage their audience to grow their business without actually having their own podcast like it's another media channel and it's another marketing opportunity essentially so i think being clear on what role it plays in your in the direction you're going as a business whether it is the business or it's an element of it and what you're hoping to achieve from it and you know setting those goals setting those kpis and working towards them consistently like there is no point of your podcasting and releasing one today releasing one in a couple of weeks taking a break coming back next year oh rebrand 
three episodes in. Like we see it over and over and over. You wonder why, you know, the biggest podcasts in the UK from a year ago, two years ago aren't around anymore because they just stopped. They just stopped being consistent. They decided to go to once every, you know, three weeks, every so often, maybe drop in a solo episode or whatever. They just, they just lost their standards. So I think going with your standards, going with your why, going with knowing what part of your business strategy it plays and like you'll be pretty good you'll be already in the top three percent of podcasts <laughs> worldwide i can't believe you don't drink coffee because <laughs> you're dialed in like <laughs> i'm it. just like high I'm, energy. have you always been so high energy it's great do you know what i will leave here and i'll go and be like a complete recluse for the rest of the evening because <laughs> i i'm such That's a, a <laughs> I, i'm such like a person of extremes like i love talking about this stuff like it this gives me energy like I love doing this sort of thing um but I'm also I'm what they call like a extroverted introvert I think yeah it's like I will need my social battery like recharging time later and I'll go home and I'll just be like eating my dinner I was like no one talked to me no one talked to me <laughs> I need I need both but like this sort of stuff this is like what I live for I love this it's like all I think about every single day so that I get yeah. to talk about it with people is really cool to me <laughs> And is it, is, because uh, I mean, obviously the, the way you talk about uh, the, the podcast can really get the passion. Is, is that, is the office just, just full of that, full of, full of views? You know or what? Are you one of a kind? <laughs> God, no. <laughs> um, I actually sent a message in our Slack channel yesterday because we had probably the most people I think we've ever had in the office. So we work full time in the office every day because that's really important to us. We couldn't move at the pace we do if we weren't all together like I know so many different companies function with like hybrid models and everything our culture is we work in the office you don't have to work with us that's fine but that's what we do because we do our work best work together and we were in the office yesterday and we had two birthday one birthday and one anniversary and the energy and the buzz and the music it was like 9am on a Monday morning I was like most people are at home on teams in their pajama bottoms like just scraped rolled out of bed with a cup of tea and I just sent a a message we've got a gratitude channel and I just said I'm so this is so unlike me as well I don't like show my I literally was like might delete this later but I just felt so grateful to be surrounded by people who have that same honestly I'm probably on the lower end of the energy spectrum compared to most people on the team and it's because we have this shared mission and shared drive and shared real tangible culture that makes us all like love what we do like I genuinely think I'm so lucky like I'm so lucky that I sometimes wake up in the morning I'm tired I leave work so energized like it's the other way around for most people and like how cool is that I get to do something that I'm you know clearly quite passionate about and get to share that experience with like all of these experts in their own industries so I'm learning from like our trailer editors and I'm learning from our data scientists and our head of experimentation and our brand partnerships team who are all teaching me so much because we're all on this shared mission and so we get to just like overlap on all the knowledge and everything we're learning from each other but yeah it starts from that that shared mission and culture piece which I think is the missing piece of the puzzle to a lot of teams these days and I feel really lucky that that's been like instilled in us from the start yeah super super inspiring to to hear someone that loves their job so much um and what about, I think it's, it's cool, you know, Hector, we were talking briefly about like the creating versus consuming, right? And like most people consume way more than they create. And it's a really difficult thing to do, but if you can create 
let's not say more, but like a percentage of what you consume, it's a much healthier balance. Yeah. Do you find that or is it just impossible because you have to consume so much to get to the point where you create something good? Um, I think I'm in a very different situation to most, I'd probably suggest. So it's like, it's not normal how much content I consume. Um, both from, like, it's not the average. Like, I'm sure, like, even when we looked across our team, as I said, like, my screen time and everything was so much higher because I'm just constantly in it. And I'm obsessed with, I think I'm obsessed with, like, leading on trends and knowing what's coming up next before anyone else. I'm very competitive in case it hasn't come across. And we all are. And for me, that was a case of, like, okay, be ahead, be ahead, be ahead. Like, know what's coming. Be plugged in to kind of all of this world. And it means I'm consuming and creating probably a lot more than most people on average but I do have this ability to switch off from it all as well so yes there's blurred lines between like work and play for me it's all kind of I don't I hate this concept of like work-life balance because for me it's just all under this umbrella of life and the ratios change when our life changes and evolves and different priorities come up and go so I don't think it's always like 50% work 50% life like that doesn't make any sense to me so there's blurred lines between it all but I do have this ability to be like okay cold turkey switch off from it all and go and focus on running <laughs> and does does Stephen I mean because he's almost the show like does, yeah. does, does he does he have that switch off yeah he does he's very good at prioritizing like the things that matter to him the most so he is obsessed with work like it's no secret he also loves spending time with his girlfriend and his health is his number one priority as well as his sleep. So like those kind of things are non-negotiables for him in his life. And it's just a case of, as I said, there are times when it's like a lot of work and less of the other things and times when it's a lot of the other things and less of work. And it's just, it's kind of this like ever evolving journey, I guess. But no, he does. He does his own things. Like he gyms every single day without fail for hour and hour and a half or whatever and that's his version of switch off i guess cool Thanks great stuff nice yeah fantastic that was uh yeah very close to an hour that absolutely flew by grace so yeah thank you thank you very much no worries thanks guys uh and where can we find you and your personal brand that you're <laughs> going to scale to infinity and all the rest of it so oh, you should get in early right whenever i have time um I'm the.socialclimber on Instagram and just Grace Andrews on LinkedIn. And do you, do you see, just, just quickly, I know we've already done that outros, <laughs> but do you see those as, uh, you were talking about kind of just one life rather than work-life balance. I mean, I guess they're almost two and one and the same, which is you at work and the social climber. Like, do you see them as different things or is it just all you really? Um, I mean, so before social climber and like my brand was, my opportunity to get new work. And then when I came into a full-time job, I didn't need to look for work anymore. In fact, I had no time to look for work anymore. So those platforms kind of took a back seat. And then three months in, Steve was like, right, you need to start doing some talks. And I was like, sorry, I need to start doing what? Um, Because it obviously helps build my authority in the space and it helps me learn and it helps me connect with people and it helps me understand my thinking better. Like speaking on stage has been the best thing for kind of developing my thoughts about various different subjects so that was when the personal brand started to come into play again and I started to use it as this opportunity to kind of get speaking engagements and develop my authority in the space and so it's you know all of this sort of stuff is really encouraged by the team we're 
we've got I think three or four members of the team who've now started doing podcasts which is just amazing to me um and I'm very proud and they're building their personal brands and because it all is connected like you get a podcast the podcast podcast gets more recognition you get more authority in the space you become kind of a, a thought leader in your own right in within our team we have a team of you know our team becomes a team of industry leading experts it's it's all like a self-fulfilling cycle so for me it's all my life is you know blurred all the lines are super blurred right now because I'm at an age where I have very few responsibilities outside of what I do for work really um you know beyond getting my bills paid each month like I don't have any people dependent on me so I can be quite selfish at this stage of my life and focus on my career and things I love doing and I'm sure that will evolve and change and you know at some point it will probably go okay career but like actually what are the other parts of my life that I want to make sure are getting filled all the time as well because yeah it will switch and change up love it well Grace a joy thank you so much for coming and uh hopefully chat soon thanks guys nice. great stuff that was awesome love it.